0: While we're talking about a little bit about student loans and things of that nature, do you think that college is worth it? What's your opinion on college?
1: Oh my gosh. I did a whole podcast episode on this uh, because that keynote that I went to, one of the questions I was asked by a woman in the audience was, what do you think about, I'm, I'm about to tell my kids not to go to college because I don't want them to deal with student loans like I did. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is what everybody does when it comes to money. They get in their feelings and they just throw out the baby with the bath water, <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's think about this for a second. Um, I think it depends. Obviously, if you're going to be a lawyer and a doctor, probably, um, you need some training or an engineer or an architect or, or things like that. Um, I think there's there's more options than people realize there's grants there's scholarships in Florida we have Florida prepaid college you know my parents started saving for my brother and I literally like the day we were born you know they started um you know so you have options that's number one and a lot of people just don't know what options are available to them I think the second thing is um like it totally depends on the kid you might have a kid who's like totally meant to be an entrepreneur and it's just kind of like not necessary. I think another thing to take into consideration is like, yo, there are tons of blue collar jobs paying more money than people sitting in an office and they don't have enough people to fill those jobs. You don't need a degree for that.
0: I think that depending on who you talk to, some people say, oh, absolutely. College is totally worth it. And I know for me growing up, that oh you're going to college like that was your ticket to success that was a one-way shot
1: yeah Um, they say that a lot in minority communities it's like always get an education like this is your one way to success and then i think what they weren't counting on is like hey you're going to be 40 grand in debt and the economy is going to you know go down the shitter and like it's not even going to rebound like this is the other thing we need to stop lying to people about like Are the jobs numbers good? Is the stock market doing okay? Yeah, those are not good indicators of an economy. Not even close. What they're not telling you
0: is people are working two or three jobs. Right, exactly. That's just the reality right now. With that said, as we, I mean, we're already halfway done with 2019. What do you think is going to happen next year in 2020? Do you think, because there's some speculation going on talking about, oh, we're expecting another downturn or, oh, the economy is doing really well, depending on who you talk to. (laughs) So, what do you think is going to happen and what should we do to prepare?
1: I mean, I think downturns are just a part of the game. Like, you always have to be prepared for them. That doesn't mean like, you know, don't invest like that's, that's a stupid thing. Like people are like, oh my God, I'm going to lose all my money. Do you realize that the people who left their money in the funds or threw money in during 2008, they came out fine. They came out ahead of everybody else, you know? So I think um, Warren Buffett, what is it that he says? Warren Buffett has a lot of quotes about not letting your emotions get in the way when it comes to investing. Um, And he's right. I would venture to say you can't let your emotions get in the way when it comes to money. Do downturns happen in the stock market? Yeah, we know this. We have plenty of data to support the fact that there's probably definitely going to be another one in your lifetime. Right. But it's not the end of the world. It comes back up. That's the idea. Like it's just the nature of the stock market. Um, So I wouldn't tell people, hey, pull out all your money. That's that's like the last thing you want to do. I will say what I'm doing personally is I'm trying to sock away as much money as I can so that, and like when that downturn happens, I'm just going to be throwing in some cash. <laughs> There's going to be a whole lot of things on sale.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, we've been, my husband and I, we've been listening and asking our mentors and listening to a lot of podcasts and things like that and seeing what other people are saying and people, you know, of course it's all speculation. We can't predict the future, but yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there are indicators that we're due for that economic downturn, and so what people have been saying is stack your cash, Yep. buy anything. Real estate is too high right now. Of course, that's what they're saying. You can still find a deal out there, but in general, they're saying... I would hold on to your money and be ready so that when the economic downturn does happen, everything is, you know, like you said, for sale and um, at a discounted price, that's actually a great time to buy. So we missed out on that because I was a freshman in college when uh, 2008 happened. So I was a I junior. No money.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was a junior. So I had no money. And either way, I didn't know back then what I know now. Now I'm like, Oh, I get it. I remember I say this story a lot with a night nine- Donald Trump got elected, right? The markets started tanking, right? Like the, the world markets started tanking. Um, I mean, it was a, a crazy. And I was watching this and while everyone's crying on Twitter, the, the what I did was I set up an automatic transfer and just dumped money <laughs> into investments. I'm like, it's going down now, but I'm going to ride this thing on the way up because there's a lot of stuff on sale right now. <laughs>
0: And you know what I think Warren Buffett had this quote like while everybody's buying you should be selling and Yeah, buy- so it's Stop uh buying something like that like <laughs> when people are greedy
1: be wary or fearful and when people are fearful be greedy. There you go. I like it. I was like, man, yeah. that's
0: brilliant.
1: Bitcoin's um, another really good example of that. Oh, when remember when Bitcoin was super hot and everyone was oh, trying yes. to get in. Yeah. So I I mean if I I had people who like had no business, no knowledge of investing. No, if I had like a damn quarter for every DM I got about Bitcoin during that time, I'd, I'd be sitting on a lot of cash to go buy a property. That's what I would be doing with it. (laughs) Um, but it was people, and this is what happens to people. They think investing is like the damn lottery or gambling. And it's not, it's actually really like basic common sense principles, right? Um, it's just not quick. It's, it's, it's like a process, you know, um, and I remember people like DMing me like, what are your thoughts? Should I get in? It was people who were like six figures salaries, no cash on hand, in debt. People were like taking out second mortgages on their houses and announcing it on Twitter to get into Bitcoin. So I did this blanket statement on my personal Facebook because that's where I was getting a lot of the DMs. And I'm like, listen, I've been getting a lot of questions about this. And here's the thing, like people think that if you talk about money for a living, then you know everything about money, which is not necessarily true, (laughs) right? There's no way to know everything about money. It's impossible. You're always learning. Um, And I said, look, just based on basic investing principles, right? If this was a couple years ago and I had money to burn, like money that it didn't matter whether or not I lost it. Yeah, sure. I would have gotten it. I had some play money right? Now it's too late. Way too much speculation. This thing's going up. It's overheating. Like people who have no business investing in this shit are, are getting in because they think they're going to hit the jackpot. It's too late, right? I got dragged, right? Like how dare you be an investing expert in like Bitcoin, whatever. And then this is when it was like around 15,000 when it got really hot a couple years ago. Two weeks later, that shit tanked.
0: Wow. I remember that.
1: Yeah, tanked. I think to like seven or eight thousand. I mean, my personal finance blogger friends and I were watching the the um, tickers live. Like, up oh, here it goes. You know, yeah, because all the indi- all the psychological indicators were there. That nope, this thing's going down.
0: It's funny because I know my husband, he definitely, he mentors um, a lot of young men. And I would say a lot of the younger generation, like those that were 18, 19, 20, they were like, oh man, Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. And he was trying to tell them, hey guys, it's too hot right now. It's a little too late to get in. If I were you, I would just wait until things calm down. And I think they ended up buying Bitcoin anyway, and they lost a lot of their money. But Timing is everything. Timing is everything. <laughs> wow. So, you know, I can definitely understand And being a minority growing up, we didn't always know a whole lot about money and what to do with it. I mean, I didn't know anything about credit scores and I didn't know about student loans and how they worked, but how can millennials educate themselves better about money and I know there's a lot of information out there. So sometimes it's a little overwhelming. There's Bitcoin, there's real estate, stocks, there's the Acorns app. You know, how does, if I were a beginner, if I just turned 18, what's a good resource that you would recommend to get educated on what to do with your money?
1: Oh my gosh, I wish I would have started at 18. I'd be way further ahead, like started at 22. Mm -hmm. Um, So I used to get asked this question a lot back when I started blogging um in 2010 and everything was still in the shitter back then i mean you know um and i would tell people like what's the first thing people need to do i'm like for the love of god stop watching the news like do not get your financial information from the news or anybody on a major news network
0: yes i had to stop watching the news too it's it's all it is is a scare tactic they get you scared
1: Yeah. Or it's like, buy this, sell this, this is hot. I'm like, that's not how it
0: works.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, you're sure if you're a day trader, but like, you're not doing that at 22, probably, you know? So I would say, you know, I just started with books. I still love books. That's one of my favorite ways to learn. Um, And it was just like really basic stuff. I think the first book I ever read was um, Ramit Sethi's, I will teach you to be rich. Ah, I think that's like- I think that's the first finance book I ever read like nine years ago. And I was like, oh, okay, this is basic. This is simple. And I think what happens to people, and and this used to happen to me, and this goes back to programming, education, all that kind of stuff. I assumed that because I was bad at math in school, right, that I was bad with money. So I had to get over that. And the more I learn about money, the more I'm like, this isn't really math. I mean, it is math, but it's super basic math. Like you and I were discussing earlier today. This is more psychology and like handling your emotions and handling your decisions and handling your actions.
0: Absolutely. I I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, money is very emotional for a lot of us because most of us probably grew up with not having a whole lot of it. So when we do have a little bit of it, we tend to make crazy, weird decisions. (laughs) So I I agree with that. Yeah. And it's very like
1: not logical, right? So we're taught that and it it goes because, you know, the whole, I was having this conversation because immediately, this is going to trigger the shit out of people immediately, just trigger warning (laughs) immediately. (laughs) When I said that thing last night about the 400,000 to comfortably stock away half your income accounting for life basically and all the crazy things that could happen in life. Someone was like, "Oh, well, you know, less than 5% of Americans are" and they weren't being mean. I understand where they're coming from. I used to think the same way. I was a freelance writer. I spent like days in in research and data, right? The thing is that if we're not careful, right, we're going to see ourselves in the 95% of the world that's broke instead of the 5% of the world that figured it out.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: I'm like, if there's literally just one person who did it, you can do it too. Problem is you don't think you can and you're not committed to it.
0: Yep. Which goes to the mindset. I mean, your mindset is everything. So can you speak a little bit more on what's the mindset that it's going to take for us to really dominate in our finances?
1: I think a lot of it is an unlearning so most people, I'm going to put like this on a scale, right? So on a scale from I'm in debt up to my eyeballs to, and like I'm about to file for bankruptcy to, or live under a bridge or something. Most people are not and live under a bridge status. They just file for bankruptcy, right? Um, which by the way, is not a bad thing if you're using it the way you're supposed to. Like that's what it's there for. Um, so on a scale from that to like, I don't know, Grant Cardone, Right, since we were talking about him or Tony Robbins or any of those guys, mm-hmm. right? There's this middle path where you hit zero, right? Like, all right, I'm I'm at a starting point zero. The problem is most people are not starting with nothing; they're starting with less than nothing. So what that means is you got forty grand in student loan debt. You got into credit card debt because you didn't know you were doing. Well, guess what? That happens to everybody because it's not we're not educated on how these things work. Right. So there is a certain level of competency that you need to reach first. And I call this financial solvency, basically. Right. Which you you need to get to a base level. And Maslow's hierarchy of needs talks about this. You need to get that that money at a base level. Right. So you need to go from like minus 40 to like maybe zero. That's your first goal right? What is that going to require? That might require, you know, whoa, I need to evaluate my spending here and see where my money is going. That may have to require that you don't buy a latte. You know, that may require that you don't use credit cards for a while. That may require that you learn how to manage money for the first time. And then you'll get to financial solvency, right? Once you're there, right, and you want to get to the next level, it's a different set of rules.
0: It's definitely going to take a different mindset, you guys, in order to achieve wealth. And as a matter of fact, I remember the book that I read, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker. One of the first things they talk about is wealth is a mindset. So before you get those dollars in your bank account, you really have to transform the way you think. And like Amanda mentioned, discipline is going to be a really huge one. But if you can be open-minded and be willing to learn and willing to grow and try new things, you'll be well on your way. But it definitely is a mindset thing first. Yeah. And
1: what's interesting is the set of rules to start making money and building wealth, you have to take risk. You have to spend money. You, you have to do things that, that you were told not to do just to get to financial solvency.
0: You're absolutely right. Risk. We have to do it. And I think some of us are, so there's, you know, there's two different types of people. There's people that are risk averse that don't like taking any risk. Sometimes I, I fall that into that category.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I used to be more of that person. I'm like there's that immigrant family thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Up,
0: yeah. <laughs> and then there's the other side where you have the daredevils that, I mean, they will risk it all. They're betting the house. I think you need a little bit of both. You definitely have to take risk period. But um, this is another Warren Buffett quote here, but I believe he says risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. So your goal is to minimize your risk as much as possible right. and increase the reward, but you do have to do something.
1: Yeah. So- it, nothing's going to come for nothing. Exactly. You're not going to get something for nothing. It's just impossible. And I'll have people come to me and they're like, Oh my gosh, it costs so much money to work with you. I'm like, yeah, that's the name of the game, right? Like you're not going to get something for nothing. Or they're like, Oh, I don't want to do sales. It's so scary. You're not going to get something for nothing.
0: Right. Somebody's got to do it.
1: (laughs) You know, I think um, and a lot of it goes down to like speaking of mindset, what I've known a lot of it is, you know, lack of education in terms of how money works. A lot of it is also just self-worth issues. That Mm. is huge. You know, um, people just not trusting themselves, not having that confidence that comes from a million different places. Um, and reasons for that, but that's massive. I mean, the amount of people are who are too scared to make a decision on anything is astounding.
0: Oh yeah, indecisiveness, oof, that can really
1: hold you back. Right, and if you want to build wealth, well, you need to start getting decisive. And
0: sometimes you need to be decisive real quick sometimes being indecisive is way worse than taking the risk itself. So it's better to take some action. You know, you don't want your mistake to be, you know, monumentous, but it's better to learn and grow and fail fast and fail forward. Right. On your hands.
1: And we can also reevaluate the idea of failure, right? Because like I said, I'm in the process of scaling my company. I'd say 70% of the things I've tried has worked out, but there's that 30% that's like, nope, that didn't work. (laughs) You know, uh, that didn't go the way I was expecting it to. Oh, okay. Got to pivot, right? We got to adjust here. But it's not, people take failure to mean like, I'm not smart enough. I'm not, they automatically make it about themselves instead of just being like, oh, this is a data point.
0: Failure is part of the process and we should really be embracing failure more. And that's something we talk about on our podcast a lot is failure is part of the process you guys before we get to that success before we get to that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow but yeah. embrace it learn from it grow from it right and just get back up on your feet and keep going that's, and that's the theme of the game
1: That's where resilience and tenacity comes from I mean I'm really good at sales for my company now but you know back in 2015 I was going through a rebrand and I was um breaking even, I got rejected 60 times in one month. Wow. And people hear that and they're like, what? How did you survive? I'm like, well, I took a break for a minute because another opportunity showed up where I was like, oh, here's money now. Right. And this, I'm very big on being open to what's being shown to you. And what was being shown to me was, Hey, double down on the content marketing for now. Um, so I was like, okay, it's here. I'm just going to take it. Right. So I took a break for a minute. Right. But I didn't completely stop
0: that right there, you just have to be consistent 60 times. Wow. That's amazing. We would have never thought
1: (laughs) 60 times. Right. Um, and I was more of a novice. I was still learning the mindset in terms of sales. Wasn't quite right yet. You know, and what's so funny is a lot of the people who rejected me back then are now paying me thousands.
0: There you go. And what's incredible about that too, Amanda is look how far you've come and look where you're at now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I say it's a good thing that you had those 60 rejections because it brought you all the way here.
1: Yeah, of course. And, and people don't see it that way, right? They just want it so fast and so quick, right? Or they make it about themselves as a person so easily or they get so, like they just start beating themselves up like crazy. It's not that I don't experience disappointment. It's just that I rebound from it a lot faster because I don't make it about me.
0: That was a great story you told. So I'm sure a lot of us are inspired by that. I am for sure. We're having such a good time here on the podcast, but I do have another quick question for you as we start to wrap up. But if I'm a millennial, in which I am, (laughs) but let's say if I have a ton of student loan debt or just debt in general, living paycheck to paycheck, what is something that you would recommend that a millennial would do right now in order to get their money in order. So there's an interesting article that
1: came out this morning. 44 million Americans have a side hustle because it's clear that a 40-hour work week isn't bringing enough money for them to build financial
0: security. 44 million?
1: 44 million. Wow. Driving for Uber, they're freelancing, they got a part-time job, they got something, right? I mean, it was the same for me. Like, I ended up getting a job as a recruiter. I didn't give up freelancing just because I had that job. No, no, no. I learned my lesson at that point.
0: Absolutely. And I think what, I think what you're trying to say is, hey, you do what you have to do to make money Pay the bills, pay down the debt. You know, if that means you have to join Instacart or, you know, maybe do some handyman work on the weekend, you do what you have to do, right, in order to get your life right. Right. And it's not that deep. And
1: um, it is what it is right now. Or, you know, I have a, a friend who had credit card debt, student loan debt. She's not a millennial, she's Gen X, but she still has that student loan debt hanging over her and it's driving her crazy she had this intuition where she's like, I got to sell this house. I don't know where this is coming from, but I just got to do it. So she did. She sold it. Now she's going to pay off all her credit card debt, a huge chunk of her student loan debt, right? She can work from anywhere because her job, she can just telecommute. And right now she's just downsizing until she figures out what her next move is. But at
0: least she's going to have that massive burden that's been driving her crazy. She's going to get rid of it. Wow. That's awesome. And that is something I really tell like my listeners is to listen to your gut and listen to your intuition because a lot of times we know what we need to do next. The question is, are we really listening and paying attention to it?
1: Yeah. And there's moments to go crazy and expand and there's moments to contract. So like when you and I had initially spoken, I was living in Brickle. I had office space. Well, like six weeks later, I found out I had to move right? Because like issues with construction and the building and and the lease, we didn't even have a lease at that point. So we just booked it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I thought to myself, I was like, oh my God, I am in the middle of scaling a company. I just hired my first time employee and now I got to go find a place. to. I'm flying to this place and this place and who knows where I have to go for work the rest of the year. like, And now I got to go move and find another place to live. Right. So I sat with it for a while. I considered staying. I considered finding another place. And then my intuition came to me. And this is where you can't make decisions out of emotion. Right. Mm Because when I got quiet and got out of the emotion and out of the stress, what came to me was go back home for a little while. There's extra room because your brother's not there. Turn that room into your office. Right. And just sock away a ton of cash.
0: That is awesome. I remember you telling me that in the beginning of the year and I was like, man, like I'm actually really excited for you. Like, shoot, <laughs> if you can go home and, and really just start house hacking and start saving some money. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, you guys. No, I think society tells you a bunch of bullshit, right? So, and and this, is, this is
1: what's so interesting because the key to all of this is to be very good with yourself, Right? Like you have to have a pretty healthy sense of self in order to have a good relationship with money. And I would venture to say anything, right? So society is always gonna be telling you, go buy a house, right? Well, that may not even make any actual sense for you based on your situation and how you want to live your life, right? Or they're always telling you, like, go buy all these things, you need new clothes for work. Do you? You could do a capsule wardrobe and just spend really good money on a few pieces that you can use over and over again in different ways in the last few years. Right. So like, don't question things. Just don't, don't take things at face value. Most of
0: what society is trying to tell you is to keep you broke. Exactly. And I think that we need to be careful where we get our advice from. Stop watching the news. Like you said earlier, um, because, a lot of people are so quick to cast judgment on your situation or cast judgment on how you think. But you know what? I've, I've just learned you have to do what's best for you. Who cares what other people think? If you have to move in with your parents or move in with a roommate or whatever it may be, you do what you have to do. If that means it's going to get you to the next level and you're building your legacy, then by all means, do it. Yeah. I have a friend who's about to make some big
1: investment moves. So she's stocking away a lot of cash. So her and her husband decided to sell their house and move into an apartment to free up cash flow. Right? Now, people on the internet will see that and they'll be like, oh, they're going broke because they just moved into an apartment. No, that's not not. How- <laughs> right, <laughs> <That's-> right. <laughs> Like, people just make crazy assumptions and they have no idea. And one of the things I teach people is, and with sales and things like that, I was like, don't ever assume anybody is broke because it's rude AF.
0: Never assume. You never you don't know what the know. situation
1: is, right? You might think, oh, this girl moved back home. She's running out of money. No, this girl's saving half her income right now.
0: Exactly. And that is amazing. If you can save 50%, oh my goodness.
1: And I'm still growing this company. It ain't going to stop. I think, and this is huge. This is a big realization I had because it was back to what you were saying about finding that middle ground. Um, You know, when I came from the traditional personal finance space and I was learning about money for the first time and learning how to manage money for the first time and how credit works, you know, the more traditional stuff, that's what it's for, right? It's basics. Um, and I remember operating under that way and I did end up with really good habits. Like I never really overspent, you know, I, I got very clear on what it is that actually mattered to me. Um, so in that sense, it was awesome, right? Then you get to a level where you realize, okay, this is not a spending problem. This is an income problem, right? And then you have to start putting in other, um, ways of, of thinking and acting and behaving. Right. So what I noticed used to be very difficult for me was, well, I don't need a lot of money to live. And this is what happens with a lot of frugality people. Right. So then what would happen was I would get lazy. Right. Cause I'd be like, well, I don't need to work that hard because my expenses are so low. And a lot of people will tell you that they'll be like, lower your expenses and then you don't have to make as much money. Right. Well, when life kind of hits you square in the forehead and you get a couple surgeries in a month, you start to realize, wait a minute, <laughs> my expenses may be real low right now, but no, I got to keep making money.
0: And, you know, it's funny because I've been listening to a lot of Grant this year, but he talked about, and I think it was the Millionaire Booklet but he was saying, and he may have also saw, said this at the conference that you can keep lowering your expenses, but eventually you're just going to get down to zero and, but you'll never really be down at zero until you're dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, so stop exactly.
0: trying to focus on lowering your expenses. You really need to just increase your revenue, increase your sales, increase your income.
1: Yeah, and again, (laughs) again, total basic math problem. So let's say that you're doing what you and I are doing right now, right? Because that's the stage of your life you're in. And you're like, I just want to stack some cash right now, right? And you make the decisions for that. In order to do that, by the way, you need mobility. Like you need to be able to move. So you're like, let me free up some cash flow so I can stack some cash because I'm thinking about the move I'm going to make when this happens, right? Or maybe I'm not sure what my move is yet, but I'm going to stack some cash anyway because when it shows up, I'll know. When you're doing that, you know, like people, the lattes, it literally does nothing. You need to focus on the three biggest things, your housing, the food and your transportation.
0: Yes, those are the three biggest expenses that come out of our bank accounts every month.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you want to free up some money, figure out how to downsize those things. And we live in a society that's like, get the new car, get the biggest house. You know, a big house thing is a North American thing. Oh, it is, it is. Get a big house, get the nice car. Why? You don't even need this, you know? So those are the things where we really have to think because those are the three areas. And I understand we need food to eat, right? So that one, we need food to live. So that's a little different. But like how many people are getting like those home chef services or whatever and then they're too lazy to cook and then they go order? That's what I'm talking about. Like keep an eye on that. You know what I mean? But those are the three, like you want to free up some cash flow and stack some cash. Forget the lattes. Those are the three places you need to look at.
0: I I couldn't agree more. And that's actually something we did recently this year. We, are, we just moved about two months ago or so, but we lived in a very nice neighborhood, but it was a big house. I mean, we had so much space. I didn't even spend time in the other bedrooms. And we're just like, I mean, why do we have this big house? It's nice. I was comfortable. It's a beautiful neighborhood. It was the American dream. But we are so serious about our future and building a legacy. We're like, you know what? while, we, while it's just us three. We only have one kid. Let's downsize a little bit so that we can free up even more cash. We can put that to investments. We can build our businesses. We can use that for marketing, for the podcast. You know, it's just amazing when you start taking control of your finances, it may mean to make some decisions that you don't want to do. I mean, I didn't really want to move per se. I was comfortable. Yeah. But I. I was like, you know what, I care more about my future than me being comfortable right now and building a legacy for our son. So you know what, while we're young, let's go ahead and move. So now we're in a nice little beach house here in Del Rey is what I like to call it. So we're it's a little bit smaller. It's actually, you know, what? I shouldn't say a little bit it is a lot smaller. <laughs> but let me tell you, it's great. I'm really enjoying it here. We're five minutes from the beach. And everything is just so much simpler now because now I know where all my stuff's at and I use every room. Right. And you probably feel like you've freed up a lot of mental space so you can just focus. Oh, my goodness. So much mental space. It's easier to clean. It's less on, you know, the electric bill. Everything is better and the location is perfect. So, you know... When you go small and when you downsize, that doesn't mean that you're losing, you know, it could really mean that you're winning because now you're telling your wallet, no, I'm in control. I can still have a good life. We can still live in a very nice place, but now I'm just going to redirect some of those funds and I'm going to put it to work, right? It's better to do that than to just live up to some fake image and people think you have nice things like nobody cares about that.
1: And there's a lot of people doing that. And by the way, if you like nice things, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just right. how are you gonna cash flow it? That's the thing, you know? And there's ways to do it that if you want if you have expensive taste, okay, go make a lot of money. You know? Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. Know? That's okay, but you're gonna need a lot of money. Um, and that's fine, right? If you're willing to to put in that that kind of work. And the other thing I've noticed, and this used to be very difficult for me as well, until I realized I was just complaining and bitching, um, was If I don't know why I'm going to use the money, it was really hard for me to make money just for the sake of having money, right? Like most people don't want money just because it's money. Most people are like, what am I going to do with this money? Like, what is it going to be used for? So I feel one thing that's helped me tremendously is getting clear on like, okay, I, you know, obviously my company is going to keep growing. That's the other thing is like, you get to where you wanted to go. And then you're like, this ain't shit. (laughs) right? <laughs> and then you get depressed, right? And I was like, oh, now I understand that depression that entrepreneurs talk about where it's like, I hit a million dollars and I got so depressed, you know? I'm like, oh, I get it now. It has nothing to do with them having money, which is what people assume, right? It has to do with they realize Number one, they haven't reached their fullest potential. And number two, it's not as much money as they thought it was. Exactly. That's what's really going on. And I didn't understand until I hit the six figures. And I, I mean, everybody in the finance community goes through this. Like they think they hit the six figures and they're going to be set. Right. And then you get there and you're like, well, damn taxes. <laughs> right?
0: Let me tell you. Yes. Right?
1: And expenses. Right. Um, so you, you, you kind of dip and you hit a depression. And I realized the other reason is because it was so much easier to get to that six figures, right? Then I assumed, well, if six figures was this easy, then maybe seven figures is easier. That's what I started thinking. Um, you got to put in the work first in order for it to be easier, but that's still where my mind was going. And I realized that if I wasn't clear on like a purpose, like my purpose couldn't just be money. It doesn't work for me, you know? Um, in so far as I need money to just live because life happens and you need to have cash and you need to have flow and all that stuff. Sure. In that sense, I am totally motivated by money. Right. But I am more motivated by money in the sense of, okay, what is this going to allow me to do? Right. And that includes what is this going to allow me to do in my company? And what's this going to allow me to do in my personal life?
0: I I love that. I, I agree. You know, money is just paper, but What are we actually going to do with it? What's our purpose with that money is the real question. So I love that. And that's a great question for you guys here on the podcast to start thinking about, you know, what does money mean to you? What will it allow you to do? And maybe that'll help motivate you to make some of those tough decisions that maybe you've been lingering on. So that's awesome. Last but not least, Amanda, what's, what's the next step for you? And also how can our listeners connect with you further outside the podcast? Yes.
1: Okay. So next step for me is, as you mentioned, we're scaling. So we're actually going to be coming out with a new training next in early 2020, which has been very highly requested of me, which is all about money mindset. It's looking like it's going to be like a year long mastermind. I'm very excited about it. Um, so that's when you're going to make quantum leaps. That's when this information is going to be the information that helps you. When I finally understood some of these concepts, I went from like 60, 70,000 to 155,000 within 12 months. And it was way less work. So I started asking myself, I was like, what the hell did I do? You know, <laughs> Because it looked like I was doing the exact opposite of like what personal finance people tell you to do on the outside. And I was like, what the hell did I do? Like what, what unlocked it? I made more progress in 12 months than I had made in the previous seven years. So this program is really going to break that down. Um, It has a lot to do with the emotions. It has a lot to do with the mindset. It has to do with self-management, self-awareness, sort of like the healing journey people need to take when it comes to money. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, And then, you know, we're running live programs with Persuade to Profit. The next live round is in the fall. And uh, I'll be going to Washington, D.C. for uh, the Financial Blogger Conference, and we're going to have our first, like, actual client event while we're there, and that has me really excited because I've been wanting to do it for a long time. But I didn't have the bandwidth because I didn't have enough people <laughs> Yeah, in my company, not clients in my company.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting, Amanda. I'm really happy for you, and you are just on the move. You have a lot of great things going for you and in your pipeline for the rest of the year and next year. So if anyone wanted to sign up for your mastermind or your courses, do you have a website that they yeah. should So you you can, go to,
1: you can go to AmandaAbea.com and they can actually get started with a free course. Um, and it's called How to Make Your First 100K Even If No One Knows Who You Are.
0: Ooh, and if, that's brilliant.
1: Yeah. And you could go to Amanda Abella, that's A-B as in boy, E-L-L-A dot com forward slash influencer. Um,
0: And then you can get that free training. And that's a really, really good way to get started. It's a good primer. That's wonderful. And I'm really happy that you have a free course so they can get their feet wet and get to know you more and get comfortable with your products and services. That's awesome. You guys, if I were you, I'd be logging on right now and jumping on that free course. That's exciting.